Hello, this is James Bradley. I'm called JB because those are my initials. And it's JB East talking here because I am in Saigon, Vietnam, watching out for this part of the world. And my buddy, JB, his name is Jeff Brown. JB West is way over there in the West. JB West, how are you doing? Doing great, James. Hey, let's talk about the world. Let's talk about the great schism. Let's talk about the largest change in our lifetimes. I mean, Jeff and I were born in 1954. Uh, Stalin was in Moscow. And you didn't have to know, if you're an American, you didn't have to know much about the rest of the world. China was a, uh, you know, had a bunch of pig farms and uh, Russia was, you know, they're walking in mud. Most people didn't have uh, indoor toilets. And if you're an, were an American in Chicago, uh, the foreign country you wanted to know about was New York or, or Los Angeles. And that was enough because America was ruling the world. Maybe a trip to London or Paris if you were really out there, but you didn't have to know much more than the West was leading. Now we have the uh, emperor from Beijing went to see the czar in Moscow. The, the emperor went to the Middle East. This is a world, world shaking events are happening. And Jeff and I were discussing that it's not being put into perspective by the Western media. The Western media is looking at little events, you know, riots in Paris and 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 uh, Xi went to Moscow and you know these these there's tiny little articles. But I'm lucky because I've got JB West out there with a big brain who can help us put this into perspective. And the perspective I'm thinking about, folks, take out your globe, take out your map. Instead of if you live in South America, instead of looking at the Americas. Uh, or if you live in Europe, instead of looking at Italy, move the globe, go over to the map and look at the great island. Harold Mackinder in 1905 talked to the British Geographical Society about the great island. Look at the great island. It goes from Europe to Shanghai. It goes from Mongolia down to India. That landmass, Harold Mackinder said, Whoever controls the great island is going to control the world. And the great island is being knit together from Beijing to Iran, from Saudi Arabia to Shanghai, from Shanghai up to Moscow. And, and uh, that's the perspective that Jeff and I thought we could bring to this. And look it, I'm way out here in Vietnam. And if I stretch my arm out to Jeff and we shake hands, he's out there on the coast of the Atlantic our arms go across the great island. So uh, big events are, are happening. We need about three hours to get this all in, but we're gonna try to do it in 40 minutes. So Jeff, a guy who's lived all over the world, start us out. What's changing, why, how, who, what, why, how, and when? Thank you, James. I really enjoyed that introduction. Um, got me excited. I think, History will show that the trip by Xi Jinping over spring break, a spring, uh, a spring equinox, March 20th, 21st, to Moscow to meet uh, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, will go down as one of the most momentous 
um, um, in uh, modern history since Versailles after World War One and Yalta after World War Two. Uh, Xi Jinping has actually been saying for quite a few years in his in his speeches, we are experiencing changes in the world that have not been seen in the last 100 years, which would take us back to Versailles in, uh, after World War I. I think there are three quotes uh, that uh, pretty much sum up remembering, sum up what, what took place there, remembering that China is the world's biggest economy, uh, not in exchange rate terms, but in purchasing power parities. Even the IMF and the World Bank have said that China is the biggest economy. That's all the way back to 2014. It's the world's biggest exporter, the world's biggest importer, the world's number one manufacturer, and its partner, <clears throat> It's, it's, it's comrade in arms, Russia, the most resource-rich country in the world with the uh, uh, arguably the most powerful defense uh, military on the planet working hand-in-hand hand together. And when Xi Jinping got off the airplane in Moscow, this is what he said. Xi Jinping, upon his arrival in Moscow, uttered the most seditious words from the point of view of the West, quote, China is ready to stand together with Russia to guard the world order based on international law, not on the, quote, rules, end of quote, invented by someone, but on the law. And he emphasized that. And then when they left, as they were leaving, she during his handshake with President Putin uh, at, uh, before going to the airport, together we should push forward these changes that have not happened in one for 100 years. Take care. And then a final quote is that Russia just yesterday came out with a new concept of foreign policy called Russia is the stronghold of the Russian world. It's, it's not very long, but one of, the key, one of the key quotes that came out of it is, and I, and, I, and I repeat, our country intends to prioritize the elimination of vestiges of U.S. dominance, investigate cases of development and deployment of biological weapons, counteract Russophobia and fight for historical truth. So now the NATO, the collective West, has two of, as, as James just pointed out, the, the, the world island of Asia. Now the West is having to confront these two countries and these two very visionary leaders who clearly have set out a plan to dethrone the United States specifically, and then more generally its vassals in, 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 in uh, Europe, Austra Australia, New Zealand, Japan, South Korea. They are, they are now going to do what they can to uh, literally flip the uh, a rules-based order 
from the West dictating the terms to a multipolar win-win uh, balanced uh, global policy. Thank you, James. You know, the, I, I, I thank you for that. I just pick a little bone with the word confront. Yes, we do have to confront that, but they're, I think they're not being confrontational. You know, they're, they're looking to unite the great island. They're looking to, um, they want peace. I mean, Xi went to Moscow and said, let's have a peace plan in Ukraine. Uh, Putin doesn't want more war. Xi does not want to fight over Taiwan. And, you know, I think the confrontation is, is if there is any, is coming from the Western mind. I looked at this, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, Ipsos, a Paris-based uh, multinational market research firm, just came out, they surveyed 32 economies and China, the Chinese people came out the happiest. Mm -hmm. So you can look it up. Edelman, everyone knows Edelman, the public relations and marketing uh, consultancy firm in New York and Chicago. They said that 89% of the Chinese said that they trust their government. In other words, I'm looking at the American media and the American media is showing Xi and Putin as two dictators with their boots on, on the people's throats and uh, America's the land of the free, and you know our military has to bring freedom. That's all over. I mean, this rules-based order was invented after World War II. You know, it, it, after World War II, Russia was bleeding 30 million dead. There was no China right after World War II. China was in a civil war, Chiang Kai-shek and Mao. So with, uh, with, with China and Russia down, America just drew lines and borders all over the place, especially in the Pacific. And now we're trying to uphold that rules-based order. And China and Russia are now on their feet and they're not trying to you know, push us, push America. They're trying to say, hey, it's a new day. We're in the lead. Let's have peace. Let's not bomb these pipelines. You know, let's, let's treat the, uh, the Iranians and, the, and everyone as humans. Jeff, I'll talk a little about the money, about the dollar, but could you first talk, what's the significance that one day Iran and Saudi Arabia popped up in, uh, in Beijing shaking hands? What's the difference between a Sunni and a Shia? And what does it mean that these two shook hands in Beijing? Well, first off, uh, James, uh, thank you. Um, you did bring up a really good point because uh, I forgot to mention in the, the Russian new concept of foreign policy, um, one of the last um, lines in it is, you talked about peace. The main goal, this is from the Russians, the main goal in the near abroad is to turn the region, being the world island of Asia, into a zone of peace, good neighborliness, and prosperity. And uh, so, uh, you, what, what you what you just talked about uh, is obviously uh, very much on the minds of, uh, as you said, uh, of both the Russians and uh, the Chinese. Uh, you, you asked uh, the question, what does it mean Saudi Arabia and Iran making peace in Beijing in terms of America not being at the center in terms of Shia and Sunni? 
the for centuries since the founding of Islam in the eighth century, the Sunni and it's not. I don't want to get into the the long history, but it's a it's about family dynasties, basically two family dynasties in early uh-huh. Islam, and they lived in almost total peace peace for hundreds of years until the West began to colonize the Middle East or what's now called Western Asia. And the British, you know, the divide and conquer, you know, the kings of uh, the kings of divide and conquer saw that they could divide the Arab world along Shia and Sunni lines. And so they began to foment this this uh, this uh, supposed you know argument about the family dynasty, and it worked beautifully, and it has kept the the Muslim world in 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 division now since for the last two or three hundred years. The so Saudi Arabia is considered to be the banner holder of of the Sunni religion, which is the largest religion, uh, the largest sect. Uh, of uh, in Islam, and Iran is considered to be the banner holder of the Shia uh, uh, group uh, sect, and they are right across from each other in the Persian in the Persian Gulf. So, the fact that they are going to now work together is absolutely earth shaking because the last thing the United States and its vassals in Europe want in the Middle East is peace. They do not want peace. The United States and the British have troops in most of the uh, countries in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Kuwait, uh, Iraq, uh, uh, Qatar, Oman. Uh, And so... They don't want to leave, and they want to be there and have a pre- and have a military presence. So this is a big deal, and you know Saudi Arabia is the most powerful country in the in the Arab world. Iran is the most powerful country, you know, in in the in the Shia world, if you if you will. Uh, and so these are basically the two most powerful uh, Muslim countries that are now holding hands. And of course, this is also causing Israel to have apoplectic you know, seizures uh, because they also want to try to control the, the, um, uh, the, the, the goings on uh, in the Middle East. So, and the fact that it took China to get these two sides together after decades and decades of enmity is earth-shaking because the Middle East has always been since the early 1900s, Lawrence of Arabia and all that, since the early 1900s, the Middle Middle East has been the stomping grounds of the United States and Britain and and France to a lesser extent. And now all of a sudden, this, the the, the comeuppance of China coming in and actually getting these two, two people these two peoples uh, to work together is extremely, extremely important for the potential for world peace. And I'll just, uh, economically, uh, Iran is already a member of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Uh, 
and they both and and Saudi Arabia wants to be a member. They just got admitted as an for observer status, and it's expected that they will now be a member of the Shanghai Cooperative Organi- uh, Cooperation Organization by August, which again, as James pointed out, will sow the world island, not just to Iran, but now across the Persian Gulf, in fact, all the way to the Red Sea in Africa. So this is a, this is a big deal. And um, uh, and, I, and I would also like to point out that not only is the, is, is the world island locked tight with Russia and China, but don't forget the North Korea, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, they are a thorn in the side of, 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 of Western hegemony. Uh, then we also have Belarus, and then which is a very close ally of Russia and face and is borders the uh, Baltic states in Europe. And we also, of course, Iran. And although I think you know James and I can probably keep our fingers crossed, but India is showing extreme independence from. Uh, 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 from Western <laughs> hegemony, although uh, they do pay some lip service with uh, with uh, some military some military cooperation, but you take all of the you take all of those elements, and even James Vietnam, you know, they're they're cooperating. I mean, it's just Laos, Cambodia, uh, 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 Thailand. It's just the whole the the whole Asian region is coming together. To uh, de-dollarize and uh, and 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 uh, and completely um, uh, separate itself from, as James pointed out, the post-war, you know, quote rules-based order, which is basically the United States telling everybody what to do. Thank you, James. Can I pick up on that de-dollarization. I'm sorry. Can I pick up on that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that. That's yeah, that, absolutely. I want to say to the audience, okay, let's look at that globe. Get back to that map. And what does it matter, this great island? I mean, you might be saying you don't live in Kazakhstan and you don't have any plans to go to Tehran. So what does this matter? Let's talk about the fact what what the dollar runs the world. And, you know, there's more hundred dollar bills outside of the United States than there are inside the United States. And why does the dollar run the world? Well, America won World War II. So at that point, we had more gold than anyone in the world. We we finally had more gold than Britain. So this is what basically bankrupt Britain is. Britain, FDR said to Churchill, you want some ships and munitions to save yourself? Send the gold over, uh, you know, from uh, uh, the uh, uh, Bank of England. So we had the most gold. So we had the Bretton Woods Agreement in 1944, and the Bretton Woods Agreement set out the new financial system. And that new financial system said that all you different countries, you don't have to base your currency on gold like before. You can back it with the US dollar because we're so trustworthy and we're so dominant. We've got all the gold, so the dollar's as good as gold. Good as gold is the dollar. So you, Cambodia or, or you know, uh, France or whatever, you base your currency on the dollar. We will be trusted to base the dollar on gold. 
So that was the Bretton Woods Agreement. And uh, something happened in the shadows after Yalta, when FDR met with uh, Churchill and Stalin in Crimea in Yalta towards the end of World War II, he did something Churchill didn't like. He went down to the Suez Canal and he met with the king of Saudi Arabia uh, on, a, on a boat on, uh, called the Quincy. And he made a deal with the king. He said to the king, you supply America with oil and we will back you up militarily. Well, Churchill had Iran. British petroleum, uh, the British Navy was getting their petroleum out of Iran. So FDR copied Churchill and made a deal with Saudi Arabia. So we were getting our oil from Saudi Arabia. Well, the Vietnam War came along. We printed too many dollars in the 1960s. LBJ's Great Society, printing money, printing money. And all those dollars that flooded into Vietnam, well, the Vietnamese banks were French. And those dollars went to Paris. And de Gaulle all of a sudden had a lot of dollars that he was literally putting on ships, sailing over to New York, and they would wheelbarrow them down to the New York Fed and say, here's a bushel of dollars, give us gold. And de Gaulle was draining the gold from the United States. And John Connolly, the Treasury Secretary, said to, said to Nixon, hey, we're gonna be out of gold here. Look, our gold reserves are going down. So Richard Nixon went on TV in 1971, I remember it, and he I didn't know what it meant at the time, but he said, we are going off the gold standard. We are temporarily going off the gold standard. And uh, now the gold, now the US dollar was not backed up by gold. For the first time in history, no currencies were backed up by gold, folks. I'm talking 5,000 years of history. I'm not talking 20, 30 years. Uh, for the first time in 5,000 years, all the currencies had no anchor. They were just floating. Folks, before 1971, there wasn't this FX market where we had all these floating currencies that the value changed day by day. That didn't exist until 1971 because things were anchored to gold and gold's value stays the same. Now, all of a sudden, the American empire could print unlimited dollars. They were not pegged to gold. And you saw an explosion of inflation since 1971. You saw an explode, look at house prices. A $10,000 house is now a million dollar house. You know, a, a, a family of four could live on $20,000 in the 1970s. Now they need $200,000. So that's because we went off the gold standard. All this inflation happened and we could have all these wars. Our wars exploded after the 1970s. Well, uh, what? but why did the dollar maintain any value at all? It's because Henry Kissinger and Treasury Secretary William Simon went to Saudi Arabia and said to the Saudis, hey, you're giving us oil. Why don't you do this? You denominate your oil in dollars. In other words, you can only sell a barrel of oil for dollars. That will make the treasuries around the world have to have dollars. So the Vietnamese treasury in Hanoi and the New Zealand treasury in Wellington, they had to have dollars. So that created a demand for dollars. It, it, it made the dollar continue to have value even after it wasn't based on gold. 
Well, what happened after Biden uh, came, uh, came out of Afghanistan? This is not reported in the American press. When Biden pulled out of Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia was shocked and, um, and they kicked out American troops in the dead of the night and Russia came in and signed a uh, security agreement with Saudi Arabia. Now Saudi Arabia is agreeing to sell their oil in other currencies. They will now accept Chinese money for their, their oil. This is not being reported. Brazil has just agreed with China that we will sell our soybeans and other products to China for Chinese currency. Russia and Iran have just agreed to trade. We don't need to settle our trade in US dollars. We will agree to do it in our local currencies. France has just agreed to buy some things from China in Chinese currencies. Folks, what we're talking about is this great island theme that Jeff and I are talking about is going to affect every single American in your pocketbook. Once the spring comes loose and it's months away, maybe years away, but it's not 10 years away like we used to think. It's very close that you know this de-dollarization is going to become a steamroller and the dollars in your American pocket are going to be worth much less. And you will be buying goods from overseas and you're gonna pay a lot more. America's not making toasters and TVs and shelves and printers. And all that stuff is going to change the standard of living in America. And guess who's got the gold? China's got the most. Russia has been buying gold. Folks, look at who's been purchasing gold. All these countries on the great island, Saudi Arabia, Iran, China, Kazakhstan, Russia, they're buying gold in record amounts that have not taken place since the 1960s. So if you wanna protect yourself, dump your dollars, buy some real estate, buy some gold or silver. De-dollarization is happening and it's happening because of the powers that be on the great island. So Jeff, um, what should we talk about here? We've talked about the money, we've talked about uh, security, uh, how about military? We've got the South China Sea, we've got the Chinese Navy, and we've got Ukraine. So the American Army uh, has Ukraine and the United States Navy has the South China Sea. You want to take Ukraine and I'll take the South China Sea? <laughs> okay. I would like, James, let me just add, first off, your story about Charles de Gaulle was absolutely delicious. I, I did not know that story. And as much as he disliked and distrusted and knew the Anglo-Saxons probably better than any world leader of his day, that does not surprise me that, that he did that. I would also like to point out that just this morning, the, the members of ASEAN, the, the, uh, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, uh, which includes Vietnam, where, where of course James lives, are discussing doing all of their trading in their local currencies. They've already signed up on it. Now the banks would just have to get it all together. And they're even talking about Southeast Asian citizens being able to pay. So, so, so for example, a Vietnamese is in Malaysia and could use their national debit card to buy 
Denner in Kuala Lumpur. So this is again, and, and they specifically pointed out that they are trying to de-dollarize. And then I, and also just this morning, James said, you know, just said it's, it's like a steamroller. It's really, really starting to build the, you know, this, this tide of de-dollarization. I just read 15 minutes before James and I got on the air that India and Malaysia have agreed to uh, be able to do all of their trading in the Indian rupee. So this is this is uh, this is incredibly. This is now it's it's almost it's almost it's almost like it it's almost like a logarithmic you know uh, a pick, pick, picking up of the pace. You know, James said we've been talking about this for years and years, and and now it seems like it's really starting to to come to fruition. So, if you want, so did you want me to? Anyway, thank you for letting me uh, interject on that, uh, James. Did you want me to um, to take uh, take Ukraine? Is that what you? Was that what you uh, uh, said? Why not? It's on the other. I mean, what I see is that. Uh... America has to poke the Great Island. They tried to split it through Afghanistan. The British have, you know, historically tried Iran and Afghanistan, and now they're nibbling at the sides, the South China Sea and Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. So well, give Ukraine update, then I'll do the South China Sea. All right. Well, Ukraine is obviously, um, as J you know, James and I, we have done over 50 reports and, and a number of uh, uh, shows and a number of those have been about Ukraine and uh, the U Ukraine since the fall of uh, the, the Berlin Wall in 1990 has been a has been a cesspool of Western criminality uh, and uh, I mean, child, uh, you know, child trafficking, organ trafficking, money laundering, you know, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the Democratic Party, bioweapons. It is absolutely a, a, a black hole of evil uh, that is being um, that, that that is being financed by the West. So that was all good and well until Russia got fed up with um, uh, the 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 genocide of of of, Russia, of Russophone citizens in Ukraine since 2014, and even James pointed out in a, in a previous show they had they were they were working with Nazis. You know the U.S. and and Britain were working with Nazis in the Ukraine since 1945. So this this is a this is a bad 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 country uh, for world peace. And, and nothing has changed for 75 years. So once Russia went in and said, we're going to protect our people, and now they have integrated the, basically the eastern fourth of Ukraine into the uh, Russian Federation. The people voted on it, just like Crimea uh, did back in 2014. Uh, I don't understand, and, and James knows much, much more about military history than I do. But I, I, I don't know if it's if they're delusional or so, they're obviously psychopathic. But for the for the for NATO to have completely mis, misjudged Ukraine because they've been planning this, they've been poking, as as James just said, poking the bear since 2014, trying to get Russia to go in. 
and expecting an easy victory and 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 expecting Russia to collapse, expecting the economy to collapse, expecting them to run out of missiles in two weeks, expecting the soldiers to be ineffectual and even even though it was the it was the Russians that beat the Nazis in World War II, it sure as heck wasn't the Allied forces that came in doing mop, mop up duty in the in in Western Europe. So it's just been a complete and total disaster for um, the the West, the collective West, uh, and and it's just getting and, and it is what has triggered all of this de-dollarization. So the blowback is is that the Ukraine, the, 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 and I don't even call it the Ukraine war. I call it the NATO Russian war in Ukraine. The NATO Russian war in Ukraine ha- is causing this massive. A surge in de-dollarization around the world because if they can freeze, if they if they can freeze Russia's assets, you know, supposedly three hundred billion dollars around the world, and tell everybody they can't, uh, you know, read Tolstoy and uh, listen to uh, Tchaikovsky, every every other country knows that it it could happen to them next, and and, and especially China. So. I don't, my my personal interpretation is that China will not be able to settle a peace agreement with you uh, between Russia and NATO because the the West has now doubled down on on, on Ukraine and are going to uh, push and push and push until the last Ukrainian is standing. And once that happens, I I, I think. Russia will have no choice but to just keep moving west and and reincorporate the entire territory of Ukraine all the way to the European borders of you know Hungary, Romania, Slovakia, Poland, Moldova. They they have to because otherwise the West will continue to try to do an Afghanistan like uh, to try to make uh, Ukraine uh, the Afghanistan. Uh, you know, in Europe against Russia, which is what Jimmy Carter and everybody else after him did uh, with uh, the Taliban in uh, in Afghanistan. So uh, it's 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 a sad situation, but I think it's been it 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 is the catalyst that has changed the world, and it woke up Xi Jinping in China. It woke up everybody in Africa. It woke up everybody in Asia. It woke up everybody around the world that uh, uh, the, the this rules-based order uh, wears no clothes anymore. And we now know we it has exposed itself uh, of massive genocide, massive war crimes, bioweapons, massive international criminality on a scale that we cannot even begin to imagine all the way up to into the halls of power in Washington, uh, the, you know, in, in Europe also. So um, that takes us to uh, the South China Sea, James. Well, I'll, you know, I'd like to go to America and look at the America media, the propaganda. You know, Russia's aggressive, Putin's a dictator, Xi is aggressive, he's a dictator. Um, the polls are showing that uh, the Russian people are behind Putin and the Chinese people are behind Xi and they're very happy. And there's no homelessness in the streets of Moscow and Beijing. 
the citizenry isn't fighting each other. How, you know, Americans happy? It, 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 it looks like a different picture. And to just end this, let's go back to the great island and look at that big hunk. And then let's look at history, World War II. Jeff just talked about Ukraine. So let's go to World War II. What happened? The Nazis went into uh, uh, Ukraine with tanks and tried to get to Moscow. What, 30, 40 million people dead? In Flags of Our Fathers, I wrote that 85% of the German casualties were killed by a Russian. And I never got criticized for that. Some people said 90%. So America didn't beat Germany, you know? Germany tried to invade Russia and you can't do that. And right now, uh, you know, we're playing a loser's game. Alistair Crook just gave an interview to Judge Napolitano. It's online, YouTube. And at the great Alistair Crook, former uh, British intelligence, just said that what he thinks is that Biden is computing, you know, is it good for my reelection to be a, a war president? I want to be like Lincoln and FDR, and I'm going to push the war button. So that's the ridiculousness of the American outlook. But look at history at the Great Island. You cannot beat Moscow. Now let's jump over to the Pacific Ocean. How did that work in World War II when Japan went into China? You know, most of the Japanese soldiers who died in World War II, they died in China. You know, they didn't die on Iwo Jima. I mean, my dad was brave and Iwo Jima was a great marine victory, but there were 20,000 Japanese there. You know, there were millions of Japanese soldiers in China and they and most of the Japanese soldiers died in, you cannot invade China. It's ridiculous. What are we talking about picking a fight over Taiwan? Taiwan was part of China forever. The Japanese with American uh, encouragement in the late 19th century took over Taiwan. I documented it in two of my books. In 1945, America took over Taiwan from the Japanese. It was not originally a Japanese island, it was Chinese. And then, and then Chiang Kai-shek, we supported Chiang Kai-shek in the, in the Chinese Civil War. We were on the wrong side. And instead of the loser losing, and surrendering to Mao, the US Navy allowed Chiang Kai-shek to jump onto Taiwan. It's like the British Navy came and got Robert E. Lee in the Confederacy and put him in Haiti, you know? I mean, it's unnatural. Taiwan is naturally part of China. And about 50% of the Taiwanese are polling that they're fine with peaceful reunification with China. That's the future. And if the American military backed off, we'd save a lot of money. Xi does not want to invade Taiwan, but Taiwan's part of China. There will be violence in the South China Sea if America picks a fight. And the fight is ridiculous. The US Navy is in trouble. Ships are colliding into each other. Um, we could go into it. It's too long of a story to say how powerful China is on its coast. So if America would calm down about Taiwan, calm down about Ukraine, there would be peace on both sides of the great island. America is not going to be the number one economic leader in the world, but that doesn't mean that America can't be a great number two or three. 
you know, I have a sales background. Jeff has a sales background. I sold a lot to companies that were richer than me and it made a great life. America could innovate and think of how to make customers out of China and Russia and how to contribute to world peace. And you know what? I hope we do. So um, Jeff, what if we wrap it up there? And I say JB East, this is signing off from Vietnam. And this is JB West signing off from the D-Day beaches of Normandy in France. Thank you. <laughs>